Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back together today. How blessed we are to be able to come together each day right here and search the Scriptures and dig a little deeper into God's Word. How blessed we are to have the Bible and have such ready access to God's Word, the Scriptures, the Holy Bible. It's not that way in every part of the world. In some countries, people would love to have a Bible, but it's illegal and certainly illegal for them to have one and teach it openly. Many people in the world really do not even know much about the Bible because they live in some kind of of environment where the Bible is frowned upon, and they look to other books and other philosophies for their way of life. We need to spread God's word far and near. Someone has said, you know, How should we spread the gospel through this area or around the world? And someone said we need to spread it like snow covers the ground. In other words, everywhere to everybody. And that's exactly what Jesus told the apostles to do as recorded in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or every human being. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he who does not believe shall be condemned. We need to carry that message just that thoroughly and that aggressively. At the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down that information and then contact us and ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It is free, and when we say free, we mean free. We don't mean free, but then you send us something, you know, (laughs) and we'll send it to you free. That doesn't sound free to us. We never charge anybody anything to be able to teach you the, the word of God. So jot down that information and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible study and we'll send it to you and we'll even take care of the postage. Now, I also want to encourage you, go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. And you can click on the listen button and you can download hundreds of sermons and Bible classes and you can listen to them for free. You can click on the articles button at the top of the home page and you can download hundreds of biblically based articles and again read them and use them for study purposes even for free. You can also on our home page scroll down until you come to the to the podcast button, and you can sign up for our podcasts, and that's free. It'll only take you about a minute to walk through those few short steps, and you can receive all of our sermons, all of our podcast Bible studies, and even this radio program every day for free. It'll come automatically to your smartphone or your computer or laptop or iPad or whatever device you want it to come to, and again, it's all free. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. We'll tell you how to contact us. We'll give you the address of our, of our website, again, churchofchrist.com, and then contact us and ask for these free materials. Ask for that free Bible study. We'll send it out through the postal mail, and we'll take care of the postage. Now we're going to get farther along in our line of study that we've been going through over the past few programs, asking the question, what is the Bible? Well, again, most people would probably pretty quickly say, it's the Word of God. Well, the Bible's the Word of God. And they would be exactly right, absolutely correct. 
Now, but we want to look deeper than that. And so we've talked about how the Bible is the book of God's knowledge and wisdom and direction communicated to us through the written, through the written word, through the written pages of Scripture. As those inspired writers wrote what they wrote, they were guided to do so absolutely according to God's will by the Holy Spirit. So when we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, more literally that means all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it is God's very word. So understanding that, we can have confidence in what we read. We can have confidence that we're reading the very will of God. And so we've looked at a number of texts of Scripture that guide us to understand that it is through the knowledge of God's Word that we come to realize what it is to live the Christian life. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11, and Colossians 1, 9 and 10, how we are to grow in our knowledge of God's Word because that then enables us to be able to live a godly life a faithful, dedicated, productive Christian life. We can grow then in the works of righteousness. We can grow in the fruits of righteousness. But we have to know what the Word of God teaches along those lines to be able to know how to do that. And so we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, study or be diligent to present yourself approved unto God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth, God's word. So we need to get into God's word. We really do. Now, basic bottom line is that's how faith develops. Because Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or more succinctly, faith comes, is developed and grows by hearing the word of God. So faith is something that we have to put ourselves into in order to develop and then to grow in it. We got to get in God's word. Now, what we started doing in our last program was looking at some of the very descriptive terms or symbolism that the Bible itself uses to talk about or describe itself. The Bible is one of our greatest blessings from God, and it, it refers to itself through many very rich and meaningful symbols. We looked in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 28 and 29, and we saw where God describes his word in that text as a fire. A fire purifies. How do you purify gold or silver? You put it in fire, and the... It, you can remove the impurities. But fire also can be an instrument of judgment. As we saw in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, that on the final day of judgment, then this world will be burned up. The elements will melt with fervent heat. And so fire can be used in both of those ways. And God's word is like that purifying fire that helps us, that helps us recognize and discard false teaching. But it is also a fire that, that, that guides us to stay away from that ultimate final day of judgment 
in which the unrighteous and the ungodly and the unfaithful and the disobedient will be judged to everlasting fire in hell. Now, we also noted that it's a hammer. And so what does a hammer do? It breaks a rock or breaks things or hammers things into surfaces. But it's talking there in that particular text about breaking a rock in pieces. Well, there's a lot of false teachers out there. And in that text, in Jeremiah chapter 23, it talks about how false prophets were coming around and prophesying lies to the people and leading them astray, leading them away from faithfulness to God. And so the hammer, it says, breaks the rock in pieces. Well, you can take a hammer and you can start beating it against a rock. And for a while, that rock may hold up. But eventually... As you continue to pound that hammer onto that rock, the rock breaks in pieces, but the hammer is still there, intact. God's word breaks down false teaching and discards it as false teaching. Now, we also looked in Psalm 119 and verse 105, where the psalmist said, speaking of God's word, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Well, God's word is a true light to guard us out of the darkness of sin and into the light of salvation through Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that we, his faithful followers, are to be shining lights. We are to be lights that light up the way and help people see their way out of the darkness of we wickedness and evil, unrighteousness and sinfulness. We are to let our light so shine that others may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Now, how do we let that light shine? We live by those teachings that we learn and then begin to put into place on a regular, consistent basis in our lifestyle, how we live. So we're living by the word of God. And in doing that, Our Christian lights are shining and helping people see the difference between unrighteous living and righteous living, between ungodliness and godliness. Through our example and influence on a steady, consistent basis, we help people see the light of Jesus Christ through us as we live by his teachings. Now let's turn to James chapter 1, James chapter 1. And verses 22 through 25, and we see another very rich and vivid image of how the Bible refers to itself, this time as a mirror. Beginning with verse 22, James says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, there are a lot of people who hear some of the teachings of God's word. They just don't live by them. They may even be able to quote a verse of scripture here or there, but they're not living those scriptures in their lives. So we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. How many times does a preacher or a Bible class teacher teach a Bible class or preach a sermon and there are people who come past him as they file out of the building after services and they shake his hand and they tell him how much they appreciated that lesson and how much they needed that particular lesson but then they don't really seem to implement it into their lives. They're hearers of the word, but not so much doers of the word. 
Well, James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, if we think we're okay just by hearing God's word being taught, but not doing what those teachings instruct, we're deceiving ourselves. He goes on and says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Now, what would be the mirror there? It would be God's word. He looks into that mirror, examines himself according to those teachings, but he observes himself. He goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Well, you see, he's not putting into practice what he's seeing in the word of God. He looks into the mirror, but he doesn't apply it effectively. And so he goes off and forgets what he looked like what he was supposed to look like according to the image presented through God's word of what a Christian should be. Verse 25 says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and that would be the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's word, and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So it's not just hearing the truth of God's word being taught, but it's applying it effectively and consistently, living by it. That makes us a doer of the work and not just a hearer of the word. So we've seen God's word, the Bible, described as a, as a fire, as a hammer, as a lamp, as a light, as a mirror. Oh, but we've got much more by way of imagery. It's also described in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, as an imperishable seed. Now we understand what the word imperishable means. It does not perish. It remains an imperishable seed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, we read this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, the truth, what is the truth? God's word. Through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, let love one another fervently with a pure heart. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now think about that. You have purified your souls. So we might think of God's word, then how? In obeying the truth. Well, what is the truth? Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? The condemnation of sin. You can be forgiven by learning through the truth of God's word how to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. As you repent of your sins, confess your faith in him, and then surrender to him in baptism, at which point as you're buried in those waters of baptism with him, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses you of the guilt of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. So you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So we could think of the word of God as a purifier, a purifier. Sometimes we'll buy a purifier that we place in our homes or maybe in a particular room in our home or an office and we turn it on and that's supposed to purify the air. Well, the word of God is described as a purifier. As we obey it, it leads us to be purified from the guilt of our sins. But then also in verse 23, it says that it is a seed that is incorruptible or imperishable 
It is the word of God through which we are born again. Now, Jesus told Nicodemus in the night of his, uh, Nicodemus and the night that Nicodemus came to him to talk to him, under the cover of darkness, by the way, he told Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5. Well, born again? Nicodemus did not really understand that to begin with. He said, how can a man enter, be born again? How can he enter his mother's womb again? But Jesus was talking about a spiritual rebirth, not a physical rebirth. And so we understand that we must be born again spiritually. And that happens as Peter describes here, explaining what Jesus was talking about back in John chapter 3, Peter says, as we read God's word, as we understand it, as we believe it, and as we obey its teachings, as we are baptized into Christ according to that word, taught in the scriptures, then that word is like an incorruptible or imperishable seed that leads us to that spiritual rebirth through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, born again through the word of God. Verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1 says, isn't that incredible? So as the seed of God's word takes place, now Peter says it's like an imperishable or incorruptible seed. In other words, it's not part of this world because everything of this world is corruptible. It's perishable. It's temporary. John the Apostle said this world is passing away and everything that is of this world will pass away as well. First John chapter 2 and verse 17. But remember when Jesus was telling the parable of the sower back in Luke chapter 8, he told the parable and then he began to explain the parable, the different symbols within the parable. In verse 11 of Luke chapter 8, he talked about how the, the sower went out to sow, and so he scattered some seed along the wayside. He scattered some in rocky ground. He scattered some among thorns and thistles, and he scattered some in the good ground. Now, Jesus, in, in beginning to explain the parable, he said, the seed is the word of God. The seed, the word of God, takes root in the heart of the humble, receptive listener or student of that word. And it leads us to be baptized into Christ and thereby born again to a new life in him. And you can read about that in, in again, magnificent detail in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. We're buried with him through baptism and raised up to walk a new life. In that action of obedience, we die to the guilt of our sins die to that old lifestyle of sin. And then as that seed grows within us, leading us to become that faithful, obedient, dedicated Christian, then we pass that seed on to others. We teach others about the word of God. We teach others how to come to Christ and forgiveness and salvation. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus said, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, we teach others. We influence others through our Christian life having 
taken in that seed. And through that, the word of God guiding us and teaching us, we become reborn in Christ, into Christ. And so we pass that on to others as we teach others that same word of God, that seed that is imperishable or incorruptible, that seed that as it's planted in the heart, the receptive heart, it grows, it produces, it transforms that particular individual into a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, a Christian. Now, here's another very descriptive, rich image that's portrayed for us in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. And so here, the prophet Isaiah writes, and again, he's writing God's word. Verses 10 and 11 say this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now you talk about more rich imagery. The word of God being described as snow and water? Well, what happens with snow and water? Well, we understand that that plants have to have water to grow. So that water soaks into that plant through its roots, and the roots spread out to where the water source is, and it can take in more and more, and that water then nourishes that plant, feeds that plant, and helps that plant to grow, to be productive in whatever it is designed by God to produce. Well, what happens with snow? Snow falls during the winter time, but then when the spring comes and the snow starts to melt as the temperatures warm up, that snow then contributes water to the soil on which it is laying during those months of winter. And so it serves as another water source So rain and snow, the waters that feed and nurture the seed so it can grow. How important that is to the growth and productivity of that plant. And when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul describes it this way. I planted, what did he plant? The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apollos watered but God gave the increase. How did Apollos water? He taught the same word of God that the apostle Paul taught. So Paul planted, Apollos watered. See it, those descriptive symbols of what the word of God is, how we can appreciate it all the more. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, oh, guide us and help us to see the value and the wonderful the wonderfulness of your word and help us to just always want to take part in learning more and more from your teachings. Help us to take in how these rich symbols should impress upon us all the more the value and the importance of our digging deeper into your word and guide us not only to learn it, but to live by it, to obey it. Guide us, please, and we give you the glory, Father, We give you the glory. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.